I feel like I need to start today with an apology about something I said last week because I did not realize I really uh, set off a little bit of a firestorm. Uh, you might recall I talked about trick-or-treaters and I said give them really good candy, don't give them payday bars. And there was an army of people who are very loyal to their payday bars. Let me know, man. And I actually got uh, bombarded by payday bars this week in the office, so they felt like the best way to do it. So just to clarify a couple of things, I never said I disliked payday bars. I just said, I don't think kids want them at the door of your house. That's different. And it is noteworthy that most of the people that really lashed out were old guys. So uh, just saying. So now that I know uh, that when I say I don't like a, a food item and I get lots of them, I would like to make an announcement today that I hate brisket. Despise it. So you've heard the saying, a picture is worth what? A thousand words. Well, God has given us a glorious picture in his word that demonstrates the incredible picture of the gospel in our lives. And that picture is baptism. That's what we're going to talk about today. There are very few topics that have been more sources of controversy in the church for the last 2,000 years than baptism, the method, uh, the sequence of baptism. And so we want to unpack that today uh, in, in God's Word. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 today. As you're turning there, let me say good morning to those who are watching online and also those who are watching in the courts. Grateful that we can open God's Word together in that way. Across town at the North Katy campus, Pastor Eric Conley's opening God's word, preaching a similar message there as we look at believers' baptism. I also want to mention that this is a very unique day because we're going to do something different. If you have not been baptized or baptized in the way that we're going to read about in scripture today, you're going to have an opportunity today to be baptized. We have a bunch of changes of clothes ready, everything that you need. We've removed all the excuses. You can text your friends and family and have them uh, pray for you and be a part of it. Watch it later on online. So if, if you'd like to be a part of that today, after this service, you're going to have a chance to participate in baptism with me outside in the garden. I can't wait to do that. We've already come from three baptisms this morning that took place uh, after the 8 o'clock service, and I'm, I'm so excited about uh, what God's going to do uh, in this service as well. So uh, thrilled about that. Romans chapter 6 begins um, in an interesting way. I, you look on as I read verses 1 through 2. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So Paul is answering a question, well, if I'm saved, and why, why can't I just do whatever I want if it's grace? And he says, no, that's not how we're going to live. And then he gives an illustration of why we would never do that. And he uses the illustration of baptism. Now, we could have looked at several Practical examples in the scripture is our base text today, but I chose this one for one primary reason. This is actually looking at internal baptism, spiritual baptism that helps us understand external baptism. And I think that's one of the big confusion, uh, areas of confusion that people have is when they don't understand baptism, it's because we've moved to the external rather than understanding the internal. There is an internal baptism 
of our conversion, and there is an external baptism of our testimony. And if we can understand the internal baptism of our conversion, it's going to answer our questions about the external baptism of our testimony. Do you see? So that's what we're going to cover today for the next few minutes. So let's talk first of all about the internal baptism of our conversion. When we think about baptism in the church, most often we think about water, and rightly so. But before we can understand how that works, we need to realize what that represents. There is a deeper spiritual baptism that takes place when someone comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's speaking of in this text. So look back at three through four in our, in our verse there in Romans six. Paul says, or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. So wait, when you think of water baptism, how are we buried with Christ in baptism? He's not talking about water here. He's talking about something spiritual that takes place. And to recognize what he's saying, we need to understand the definition of baptism. Baptize, the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo. Sounds familiar, right? And it literally means to bury, to bury. He's saying when we're buried with Christ, when we're baptized with Christ, you see, baptism, spiritual baptism is a glorious spiritual funeral because we're trading our old lives for new lives. Our old lives in the flesh, according to sin, for new lives that have been traded in because Jesus Christ has purchased our righteousness through his blood and his righteousness. Do you see? It's a transaction. And so when we're saved, we go into the tomb with Jesus. We left our old life there when we came to Christ so that we could be raised with him. Baptism. Baptism begins with, with not water, but with spiritual burial. That's why, if you write in your Bibles, you might write in the margins, Luke 12, 50. It's an interesting reference because Jesus is talking about baptism, and he's not talking about his water baptism. He had already been baptized in the Jordan River. He's referring to his crucifixion, and listen to what he says. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how it consumes me until it is finished. See, that's why... Before we can talk about the ordinance of baptism, water baptism, we need to understand spiritual baptism. It doesn't make sense to go into the water and be baptized physically until we're internally baptized by receiving the gift of salvation. It is a death, a spiritual death. You know, if you go to Europe and much of England, you go to some of the old churches, you will find that they, they either shape their baptistries like a cross or a coffin. Very often they'll put it like a coffin because that's exactly what you're signifying. You're going down into the grave and you're coming back up. The first most important step that you can make in your life is to trust Jesus Christ for salvation, to receive the forgiveness that he offers. Look down in the passage to verse 23. I want to show you one of the most important gospel verses in the whole Bible. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you write in your Bibles, you might circle the word wages. What do you get wages for? For work. You work, you receive wages. You have worked in your life, and the wages of your work is death. It's sin and death. 
But look at, it doesn't say, but the wages of righteousness are eternal life, does it? It says, but the gift, circle that word gift, the gift of God, not wages, but gift, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see? We don't earn salvation. We receive salvation. How do you receive a gift? You accept it. It's given to you and you accept it. It's available to everyone, but God does not force it upon you. The forgiveness that he offers through Jesus Christ is available to everybody here. And when you trust Jesus for salvation, when you do that, when you agree with God that your sin has, has, has ruined you and kept you separated from him, and, and you say, I don't want this life anymore, and you die to the old self and receive the new self, do you see? Then you are totally forgiven. You're made brand new. 1 John 1, 1.9 puts it this way, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and, and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, if you've made that decision, you were completely set free. That's why when we picture baptism, we don't just picture going down in the water, we picture coming up in the water. You don't just go down spiritually into a grave, you come out in new life. So when I baptize, I, I've never just gone down and just left somebody down there, you know? Hey, buried with Christ, hallelujah. Some of you are uncomfortable with this illustration right now, aren't you? You just want me to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because we've been raised in Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. We're made brand new. The first truth about baptism we must remember is there is an internal spiritual conversion that takes place in the believer where you died and you rise. Do you see? I've uh, ministered to families at hundreds of graveside services where we finally, say, finally lay a loved one to rest, you know. And every now and then I'll come across a family who wants to be a part of a tradition, usually family tradition or some specific reason, where they lower the casket in the ground where they watch. Have you been to one where they do that? And so we finish up and then they actually lower the body. And every time I do that, I think... I can't imagine watching that take place without Jesus. I mean, I can't imagine how, how depressing that would be to watch that body go down six feet. But when I watch it because of Jesus, I, I just get this feeling, isn't it cool to know that body's going down on the ground and it's coming back? That body's gonna be raised up by the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, do you see? And that's what's taking place in our hearts when we come to faith. Listen, if there's anyone who's come today who's never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, if you're watching online today, if you've never done that, I plead with you today, make today that day. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive that gift that he offers. You see why we have to begin with the internal baptism of our conversion? But once we do that now, now we're free to talk about the external baptism of our testimony. Let's do that for a few moments. Look back at Romans 6 with me, and you now get a glimpse of why we do water baptism. It's interesting. I don't think Paul is talking about water baptism here, but once we understand spiritual baptism, it gives us everything we need to know in answering the questions that many of us have related to water baptism. Look at verses 5 and 6. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin 
might be rendered powerless so that we may long, no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. That word lightness is very important. You see, it helps us understand. We're identifying with what the Lord Jesus has done. Not only he pictured baptism for us, water baptism, but then he pictured spiritual baptism. He went into a physical grave and he rose out of that grave because that's what's taking place in our hearts. And so we have a likeness rendered that we see throughout the New Testament where believers in Christ, once they state their faith in Jesus, now go down in the water and come back up physically. Understanding internal baptism, the burial and resurrection of Jesus, the spiritual burial and resurrection of our old life into a new life helps us to clarify what takes place in our external baptism. Here's the bottom line. You ready? Baptism pictures outwardly what God has done inwardly. Baptism pictures outwardly what God has done inwardly. When you've been transformed inwardly, when you come to faith, your water baptism then later demonstrates that. This process may seem odd in our culture. I mean, some of you who weren't just raised in the church, the first time you saw water baptism, you were probably going, what in the world is that? I mean, we're just, some of us are used to it, but it's kind of different. Grown-ups going down in the water, getting dunked and coming back out wet in public. It's kind of different in their clothes. Like, what, what, are we, what are we doing? But it's a beautiful picture and it's, it's unusual on purpose. But you need to understand when Jesus commissioned baptism, it wasn't out of the blue. It was something that there was a pattern in scripture. All throughout the Old Testament, God gave signs of commitments and covenants that he had made. Think about Noah. Noah was saved through the water on the ark and he was given a, a covenant, a, a picture, a symbol. What was that? A rainbow. Abraham was, was uh, commissioned to be the father uh, of, of uh, many, many nations and the father of the Jewish nation, and he was given the covenant of circumcision. And, and then even specifically baptism, if you look at the ceremonial washing of the priest in Leviticus chapter 8, you find that they went down in the water as a picture of that washing. And then later on in Judaism, when, when someone was converted to Judaism, they participated in what was called proselyte baptism. They would go down in the water as a death and come up. There was a burial and a resurrection. They were being made new. And then you fast forward to John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Remember, he was out in the desert in the Jordan River baptizing people. When he, when he baptized Jesus, he was already baptizing. And now you understand the significance of what he was doing because all the Jews knew of baptism was, I wasn't a Jew before and now I'm a Jew. He's saying, what you were hanging on to was not enough. You need to realize that they were making a bold statement. They're saying, now I'm going to place my faith in someone else's righteousness. They didn't fully understand it, but he was making a way for the Lamb of God to come. Do you see? And that's why when Jesus ascended, he called us to make disciples and to baptize them. It wasn't a foreign language they would have understood. And we've been given this internal picture of what he does in our hearts so we understand the external picture. And it really clarifies some things. See, the doctrine of baptism helps to clarify the sequence. We believe, and then we're baptized. That's the way it's supposed to work. We believe, and then we're baptized. You don't, you're not baptized, and then later on you believe. Uh, incidentally, there's no infant baptism in the Bible anywhere. Infant baptism came along during the reign of Constantine, uh, beginning in 306 AD, when he made Christianity the national religion of Rome, and the idea was to christen someone or Christianize them. 
And so the idea was, hey, I want the whole nation to be Christians, so we'll just baptize the babies and they'll be Christians. He had great motives, bad doctrine. Do you see? And so, so we get it out of order. No, you can't because there's faith first. Because what does baptism do? It signifies, it signifies our baptism. So Len and I were in a meeting with a, a lady about three weeks ago. And um, I was trying to make conversation, ask where she was from. And uh, I saw she was wearing a wedding ring. So I said, how long have you been married? And she said, oh, I'm not married. And which was awkward. So I said, well, I apologize. I, you know, I saw the ring. And she said, well, I, I actually have not been married. I'm single. But she said, I just like the institution. I thought, well, okay, that's kind of weird. I don't know really what to say now. All righty. Okay, sister. So... That's somewhat, somehow that's all some treat baptism like, oh, I, I like the institution, so I'll do it. But there's never been an internal conversion. There's no commitment. It doesn't represent. It's just like kind of a thumbs up to God or the tradition. That's not what we're supposed to do. It, it, baptism does not save you. If we're saved by grace, which is the whole point of the Romans 6 passage, then how can a work be a part of that? No. Baptism demonstrates it later. But likewise, it ought to be a demonstration. So it would be kind of the opposite of what that lady was doing. It would be the sense of saying, you know what, I'm married and I love being married, but I'm, I'm just not going to wear the ring. So darling, I'll be married to you in private, like at home, we can talk about it. But I mean, it's kind of a private matter. I just don't want to share it with the world, so I'm not going to do that. that. What an insult, right? No, we wouldn't do that. that, that's, that that's the same expression when we've been transformed in our hearts and we say, but it's kind of a private matter. We don't want to demonstrate the symbol that God has given us. No, we, we have a sequence. We're saved, and then the first act of baptism, uh, the, the first act of obedience that we have is baptism, after you trust Jesus. It also clarifies, incidentally, the timing. When should you be baptized after you're saved? Right away, as soon as possible. That's the example we, give, we see over and over in Scripture. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the first sermon, and thousands are baptized right away. Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, says, what would prevent me from being baptized? Immediate. He's, he's baptized there. Uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, the, the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, and be baptized, you and your household. That night they were baptized. Uh, some of you might say, uh, I was saved a long time ago. When should I be baptized? When's the next best time? Right now. And incidentally, it's never too late. I have baptized people in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, and one gentleman in his 90s so far. It's never too late to express your faith, to demonstrate what God has done in your heart. When we're transformed by Jesus, we want people to know. You see, it's just a natural expression that God has given us. Why would we not demonstrate that to others? Why wouldn't we? Do you know that God has given us an incredible picture to the world. And you say, well, it's just kind of weird, Pastor. Well, if it was just like recite a poem, you know, you probably wouldn't remember that. If we said, okay, when well, you just, you know, check a box, we probably wouldn't remember that. But let me tell you something. Every person in this room who's been scripturally baptized will never forget that day. You won't. When you have trusted Christ and then you go back in the waters and you demonstrate it, it's a beautiful thing. And incidentally, I know that there are some here today and you have never been scripturally baptized as we've read in the scriptures because you don't want to insult your family tradition. You say, well, I come from a different tradition. I was baptized before I was saved and what, is, what an insult to be now. Incidentally, that's my story. I was, I was raised in the Lutheran church. 
And, and uh, I was baptized as a child. And then at 11 years old, I, was, I heard the gospel and I understood it. And I was baptized later in a Baptist church. Um, it wasn't because it was Baptist versus Lutheran. It was because it was an expression, do you see, of what the Lord has done. I'm very grateful for my spiritual upbringing in the seeds that were planted in the Lutheran church. Do you see? And so I want to challenge you to turn that around. If you say, man, my grandma would be so mad at me if I got baptized now and she's from this other tradition. Listen, don't miss out on this beautiful picture because of that. Instead, bless your family. Most of the parents that I've run come across who, who express that in baptism, infant baptism or child baptism, if you go back, they were seeking to demonstrate a covenant with the Lord and an intention to raise their children in a way that honored God. So why not text your parents if they're living or other family members and say, I am so grateful that you planted seeds of the gospel in me so that I could understand and now have the opportunity as an expression of what the Lord has done in my heart to be saved. Do you see? I know there's others, and, and you would like to do that, but you don't know if you, in your heart of hearts if you've trusted Christ as Savior. Why not begin there? Why in the world would you not receive the gift of salvation that only Jesus can offer you? I hope you do. But I'll tell you another reason that we baptize because we have come together to celebrate that. That's what we do. It is a celebration in the church when someone goes down in the water and comes back up. I'm not sure we get excited enough about baptism, and I pray that that would change. But when you are baptized, it is a testimony to others. It's an opportunity to let your light shine. Let me give an example of that in this video. When someone decides to follow Christ, their life is changed forever. Death turns to life. Despair changes to hope. Dark becomes light. It's a deep, quiet moment that could easily be kept hidden. But a change this profound can't stay a secret for long. It's time for the world to see what God has done. For we were once in darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Baptism is an act of faith. It's a celebration, a beacon cutting through the fog, a message to the world that a lost cause has been redeemed, that God is here and he is transforming lives. So embrace this moment. Declare his glory. And let your light shine. Hey, what gets you excited? Is it football? Is it some hobby? Is it something else, a TV show? What in the world could compare to what the Lord Jesus has done in the hearts of those who come and receive him and die to their old life and are raised to a new one? What could be more exciting than the picture of baptism that God has given us? Listen, I snuck out during that video out into the garden where we have our baptistry. And in just a little while, we're gonna have the opportunity to respond in obedience. Those who have never been scripturally baptized as we've demonstrated here now's your chance 
Now, there may be some here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. My prayer is that you begin there today and receive that glorious transaction. Jesus' life for your old life, it's passed away and you're raised to walk in newness of life. And then for those who trusted him, whether it was today or 30 years ago, why not respond through baptism? And so we're gonna have a song sung both in the courts and the worship center in just a moment. We're gonna worship together. And as others are worshiping, and maybe you need to pray with somebody, you can do that, respond however God leads you. But for some of you, this is the day to be baptized. And while we're singing, I wanna invite you to step out of the back, just quietly while everybody's singing, step out of the back and come to the Connection Center and we're gonna talk with you. We have some friends here who'd be honored to just chat with you, make sure you understand the gospel and what the Lord has done. And then we'll prepare to be baptized today. How cool is that? My friends, there are some of you who've been baptized a long time ago and I pray that today, Today, you remember what the Lord has done. Let's never take that for granted. Let's, let's never allow a baptism of a believer in Jesus Christ to be born. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of opening your word today and seeing the truth there of what takes place when you save a man or woman. And so God, I pray that if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who hasn't trusted you for salvation, that today would be the day. And God, I pray for those who have experienced that conversion, but have never experienced the joy and the thrill of going down the water as a testimony of what you have done in their lives. And I pray that today would be that day. Thank you for what you're doing and for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.